Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott and Melissa Hale. We're, we are in the final chapter of our series that we've been in throughout December called Great Adventure. Great Adventure. We, it, it's been our Advent series. We've been talking about how God wants us to, he, he wanted us to have more than just a nice Christmas. Christmas is more than just whatever Amazon.com has been selling us. Christmas is, is about more than that. And he wants us to have more than just a nice Christmas. He wants to take each of us on this journey from where we are to a place that we absolutely could not get to without him. That we need God. This journey to a place of hope and love and joy and peace. And that, that, that thing that takes us there, the only, it, it has a name and it is Jesus. It's, it's a person, Jesus. Um, Today we're going to be talking, we're going to kind of wrap this series up. We're going to be talking about this adventure as a journey that continues beyond Christmas, even after Christmas, and on into the coming year. And I think the best part of the Christmas story that that explains this so well, uh, that speaks to this ongoing adventure, is the story of the journey of the wise men. The journey of the wise men. Uh, You know, the writer Matthew doesn't uh, tell us a whole lot about the wise men, uh, but what he does tell us is fascinating. And uh, it's not, he doesn't say very much. It's about 12 verses, right? Yep. You want, let's just read through what that is. Okay, this is found in Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born? King of, you should read that with an accent. I hear where's the one who's been born, king of the Jews. Oh, no, that's the Magi. No, that's the Magi. Oh, yeah. Just oh. Sound, sound like a scholar. Sound, do, do your Where's British. the one that there has been born, king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard the news... That was so good. I'm distracted. Mm. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Uh, in, in Bethlehem. There it is. In Judea. He replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel understatement. Am I right? Mm-hmm. That's like just a, a taste, a foreshadow. Mm-hmm. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, now you can use your pirate voice. Go and search carefully for the child. <laughs> as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Yeah. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to the pirate Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Awesome. So that's it. That's all we're told about these mysterious... Wise man. There's all sorts of myths and myths and myths conceptions um, ab- about them. You know, we talked a little bit about them on Christmas Eve. Was there were there three or four or two or ten? Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't really say. Uh, did they really ride on camels? 
probably, but you know, who knows. Um, were they royalty? Sometimes they're referred to as the three kings. Uh, we don't know. The Bible doesn't really say any of that. What Matthew says about them is that they were magi. Magi. Magi, it comes from the, the Greek word magus. And, uh, and, and the biblical scholars tell us that the magi were these ancient astronomers. And they were kind of the elite educated class, uh, sort of the scientist scholars of their day. And when it says they were from the east, it probably means they were from Persia uh, or that area around Babylon, Persia, somewhere. But what we can safely assume is that this was a long trip. They came from a long way away. It wasn't an easy journey. This wasn't like a nice little vacation for them. They traveled a long way to see Jesus. And uh, so that's, that's really what we know. But even though Scripture doesn't specifically call them wise men, these scholars showed a lot of evidence of having great wisdom. First of all, they're very far removed from Israel, right? Mm-hmm. They're very far removed. And what, what did they do? First, they recognized the hand of the Lord. They recognized his star. And then they decided not to be ignorant about it. They must have studied Old Testament scripture. They must have found scripture and studied it because they knew that it meant the coming of the Messiah. They read that in scriptures. So they recognized God. They studied the scriptures. Then they didn't just do nothing. They acted on their passion. They embarked on a 1,000 over 1,000 mile journey to follow this star and the Messiah to which it would lead them to. And then finally, they gave, they brought gifts. They came prepared with gifts to lay before the king of kings, the king of the Jews. And this is how they worshiped him, by observing him, by following him, by pursuing him, and by laying down their gifts before him. And how were they rewarded? They got to be in the presence of the Messiah himself, baby Jesus, right? How awesome is that? It's awesome. Well, baby, toddler Jesus toddler Jesus. Uh, So now, like the Magi, like the Magi, how can we resemble what they did? Number one, we revere our God. We're going to revere him. We're going to notice the star that he places in our life every day. What is the Lord leading you to today? What is he doing around you? What is the thing you're supposed to do? Who are you supposed to speak to? How can you bring the kingdom into what God's doing? We have to, we have to take our eyes off of ourselves and look at the kingdom to notice those things, to revere the handiwork of the Lord. Number two, like the wise men who study the scriptures, we have to study the word of God to know him, right? It, he's only, he only means to you what you know of him, Right? So you have to know who he is. And what's the best place to do that is to look in the word because every scripture of the word reveals who God is. And he is a God who loves us and a God who has a purpose for each of his creation. And that's you. So we need to heed his instruction, pursue his word. Number three, we don't stop there. We pursue him every day. I love, I love that it says, Jesus says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Right? Do you know what pursuit of God is? It's just opening the door to him knocking every day. The Holy Spirit's knocking, talking to you. You got to open the door to that. You got to open the door and listen and then follow where he leads. And then number four, we worship him. We worship him. What is that? It is that surrendered response. That's what worship is. 
I respond to the greatness of my God. I respond with the works of my hands. See, in the Old Testament, it was all about the works got you sanctification. You had to make sacrifices to be forgiven. But Jesus says, no, I'm all the work you'll ever need. I'm everything. You can't earn it. I'm your redemption. I'm everything. So you know what you get to do with your talents and your gifts? You get to worship me with them. That's what you get to do. You get to bring them as worship. And that's what we get to do the Lord. Praise God. So every, every good story uh, has your good guys, and ha- it also has your bad guys. So this story definitely has the, uh, the ultimate bad guy in King Herod. Herod is kind of the opposite of the wise men. Um, you know, you got to think, these wise men were not Jewish scholars. They're, you know, they would have been considered pagan scholars. And they come, why doesn't King Herod know about Jesus? Why isn't he seeking Jesus king of the Jews? Well, number one, because he considered himself king of the Jews, right? He put himself on that throne instead of Jesus. And so what that leads Herod to do is a a lifestyle of selfishness, ignorance, and a whole bunch of evil decisions. Herod was full of pride. He's full of selfishness, selfish ambition. And every decision he makes, when you look at his life, is basically uh, based on self-preservation. He was all about, you know, lies and deceit and murder and, and anybody who got in his way. He, he murdered his own wife, his, his children, and eventually all the baby boys of, of Bethlehem, as we know that tragic story. So Herod's not a good guy. So Herod makes his decisions based on something, and it's the same thing you and I make our decisions on. And it's based on an unspoken question. Mm that reveals our character and who we are. And you may not consciously think of this when you're asking yourself, okay, I'm going to make this decision. How do I make it? You probably don't think of this unspoken question, but it exists. And today we're really going to like ask ourselves, what is the question I live my life by? How do I make my decisions? So big or small, big or small, we make every decision based on the question we live by. Now, Herod, here was his thought process. What secures my position as king and keeps me doing exactly as I please? Mm. What is that? And so the question that Herod probably asked himself before every decision was, what is the safe thing to do? What is the safe thing for me? What's going to preserve me? What's going to keep me in charge? What's the safe thing to do? And so what did that decision lead him to? I'm going to eliminate any possible competition to my throne. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get rid of him. That's safe. Just kill everybody that would challenge me. That's the safe thing to do. I'm just going to eradicate the opposition. So this was his question. Now ask yourself, what's, do I make decisions based on the safe? It doesn't always lead to murder. <laughs> but do we often ask ourselves, okay, here's my options. I'm going to do the safe thing because I'm a little nervous about the risk involved with this thing, right? We do that. Or maybe you ask yourself, what's the comfortable thing to do? Maybe this is the unspoken question of your life. Mm. Oh, I just, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I like my five friends and I like my house and I like my schedule and this is very comfortable and I don't want to be stretched and I don't want to be uncomfortable. So what's the comfortable thing to do? I'm going to do that. Maybe this is something you ask yourself. Or maybe you ask yourself, what's the pleasurable thing to do? Right? I think every kid under 11 this is their this is their life question at least at least 
One of mine sure represents this. What's fun right now? What's fun? What can I do that's fun? Yeah. What's going to just, let's all just have a good time. What's a fun thing to do? Now, here's the danger. If, if you live your life asking yourself, what is the safe thing to do? That's going to lead to fear-based decisions. That's when you're letting fear rule your life. And, I've, and I'm really talking to Christians today. People that have chosen Christ as the center of your life, if you are making decisions based on safety, you're letting fear have a place in your decision-making. If you're asking questions like, what's the comfortable thing to do? That's probably going to lead to a fruitless, non-productive existence. Because being comfortable Mm -hmm. is not progressing. Mm -hmm. Right? Being comfortable is staying stagnant or regressing. That's what comfort does. Have you ever been in the covers on a cold morning? (laughs) Right? You want to stay there. You want to stay there. You don't want to get up. But once you break free, that's when, that's when productivity starts. So beware of that. The, the third, what's the pleasurable thing to do? How many moral and financial bankrupt decisions hmm. has this led people to? Well, the pleasurable thing to do is to have the filet mignon right now. But I only had a $5 budget for lunch, but this $50 lunch will be just fine, right? What satisfies me right now? What's the pleasurable thing to do? What's the fun thing to do? Maybe... Maybe your question is, what's the easy thing to do? What's the time-saving thing? What's the quickest thing to do? I just want to do the quick thing. I find myself, when I want to do the quick thing, I'm not a very good parent. When I want to do things for my children, instead of letting them experience something or making a mistake, that's not, that's not me being a good parent. If I'm looking for the quick thing to do, I'm not living in the present anymore. Sure. But I digress. <laughs> I'm really analyzing myself right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, notice... These questions, yeah. they're not necessarily bad questions. <laughs> they're right? not. That's what's sneaky about these questions. Notice these things. They're, they're, not, they're not necessarily terrible things to ask. It's not like we're asking, hmm, now what is the evil thing to do today? Right? Most of us don't wake up and do that. We usually are asking these questions, thinking we're being responsible adults. Um, but here's the thing. These questions uh, will never lead us to the adventure that we're talking about, the adventure that God wants to take us on. If you want that, if you want that supernatural life, that's not, that's not found in these questions. There's a better question. Do you want to know the best question you can ask yourself to make your decisions? You ready? Uh, I didn't come up with this, but it's a good one. This is uh, Pastor Andy Stanley wrote an entire book called The Best Question Ever. And it says, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, my future hopes, what is the wise thing to do. Not the safe, not the comfortable, not the convenient. What is the wise thing to do? And this question should apply to every area of your life. Your family, your relationships, your career, your goals, how you make your schedule, what your habits are, what you put in your mouth every day. What is the wise thing to do? That's right. So if you can't tell, what we're talking about today is wisdom. This question, what is the wise thing to do, is so important. Because you know, there's, there's some people believe that the secret to life, like if you talk to, you know, life gurus or, you know, self-help gurus or something like that, they'll tell you the secret to success is passion. That's what you hear a lot. Passion. Passion is the, the principal thing. Passion is everything. But passion and ambition uh, can be good, but they're only half the story. Here's the thing. Passion and ambition is good, but passion without wisdom leads to wasted energy. Passion without wisdom leads to regrets. 
It leads to delays. It can lead to a lifetime of big ideas and twiddling your thumbs, right? There are lots of passionate people, lots of passionate people who never really do anything worthwhile in their life. They're filled with passion, but they don't do anything worthwhile because that passion was never harnessed. Uh, It was never guided by the star of wisdom. It was never guided by wisdom. So passion, you know, in this case, passion gets lost in this sea of endless possibilities, endless options, and it's aimless, right? The Magi, think about the Magi who found Christ. They had a passion, obviously. They had devoted their life at some point, you know, when they were a teenager or in their 20s, they said, you know, I think I want to study the stars and ancient texts. You know, I really have a passion for that. Um, but they had more than just a passion for seeking the Savior from heaven. They had, a, they had the wisdom enough to follow the star. You see what I'm saying? They followed, without that star, think about what could have happened. Well, their, their passion might have taken them in every direction on earth. Their passion, without following the star, their passion might have taken them up north. They might have said, you know what, I just have so much, let's, let's follow the Big Dipper today. That's a great, you know, I like that, or Orion, yeah. Or, you know, let's, let, we're going to follow the Nile River, maybe that'll be fun. We'll just go wherever our passion leads. The, the east wind is blowing, let's go this way. You know, that, that could have been what happened. They would have never found Christ had their passion not been guided by wisdom. To, if I, if, let me hammer this point home. To use an analogy, all Texans this year can understand. In 2017, we all witnessed the incredible power of water, didn't we? Right? We saw the power of water. And water is wonderful. You drink a cup of water and it keeps you alive. Um, You go to the beach and you look at the water. It's wonderful. But when you see water overflowing its banks, uh, when it goes wherever it pleases, water has an incredibly destructive power to everybody around it. It's incredibly destructive. But if you channel that water along a river, you keep it in its banks, you channel that, that water will cut through solid rock and over centuries and millennia, you'll come up with the beauty of the Grand Canyon is what happens when you channel that water rather than it going everywhere. So, so passion without wisdom can it can actually be worse than useless. It can be very destructive. Passion without wisdom can be destructive. Remember this, King Herod had a lot of passion, and it got a whole bunch of babies in Bethlehem killed. It was passion without wisdom. So what is wisdom? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to James 3. We're going to read verse 17. So this, is, this is what we want to know. As, as followers of Christ... What does kingdom wisdom look like, right? I can ask, what's the wise thing to do? But I have to know what what wise looks like. So there's eight things in James 3.17 that talks about the wisdom from heaven. And here's what wisdom from heaven looks like. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. These are beautiful, beautiful descriptors, but they are not all easy, are they? This is a challenge for us to operate in kingdom wisdom. So, so let's, think, let's think of this like a checklist. All right, so when I operate in kingdom wisdom, 
It is so pure. What does that purity come from? It comes from Jesus Christ himself. It comes from his gospel of love and truth. Operating in wisdom looks like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anything that conflicts with the gospel is not operating in wisdom. Number two, it brings peace. When I enter into a situation, I got to ask myself, am I bringing unity or disunity Mm. into the situation? Because the wisdom of God ushers in peace, the peace of God. That's why we always say, follow the peace. If you're making a decision, you got to go with the peace because the peace of God is the kingdom. Mm. That's where Jesus is always leading you. Mm -hmm. It shows consideration. Do I got to be first in the line at Thanksgiving or can I be last in the line at Thanksgiving? Where am I at? Where's my heart? Right? When I'm driving, I went there. When I'm driving, <laughs> I can say it because I'm the worst. I'm like, I'm like Paul. I've done, it's all me. It's a terrible. When I'm driving on the road, Melissa, do I show consideration? Because when I do, that's driving with wisdom. Wisdom applies when I'm behind the steering wheel. Wisdom applies to you when you're at the office when you're on your computer. Wisdom applies when everyone's watching and wisdom applies when no one is watching. That's true. Right? You now, know, yeah. just to jump in there too, you know, those last two things, peace and, and consideration, um, that's a good example of how wisdom is different from knowledge. Because if you, you could be a person of great knowledge and know all the answers and, you know, you walk into a room of people and you can, if you have great knowledge, you can leave that room in more strife than you found it, right? If, if you know all the answers, you can still leave the room in more strife. Yeah. Wisdom leaves that room in a, in a yeah. state of peace. Uh, I, I saw a quote about knowledge and wisdom that says, knowledge is knowing tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in your fruit salad. <laughs> Good point. Um, so absolutely, the Lord is the giver of wisdom. Mm. In fact, there are scriptures that says, Jesus is our wisdom from God. Jesus is our wisdom. And so much of the Proverbs, have you read the Proverbs lately? We talk a lot about the Psalms. The Proverbs are the bomb. They are so, right? Solomon apparently was this really wise man, really wise. He asked for wisdom from the Lord. And so many times it talks about about where we get wisdom, what wisdom looks like. Often referred to as a she, side note, ladies. Um, Wisdom, how we cultivate that, we have to study who God is, study his word, and that's how we get it. But, but what I love about James 3.17 mm. is that it's, it's the fruit mm. of what it looks like. Mm. And um, that holds us accountable. Because you can't say you're being wise if you're not ushering in the gospel and peace and you're not being considerate and you're not serving others, mm. right? We serve others. It's not about, in the kingdom, it's not about serving yourself. It's about devoting your life, your gifts, your time to others. It's about offering mercy. Mm. Offering mercy. When someone deserves it or not, doesn't matter. Do we forgive? Because the, the word of God says it is wisdom to offer mercy and forgive and to not hold a grudge. Even when you're in the right. So you may Even be in the, right, in the right, but wisdom forgives. Yeah. Wisdom produces good fruit. If you're like, man, I've been, I've just been on that grindstone for years. I've got nothing to show for it. Stop. Because operating in the wisdom of God will mm. always produce good fruit. good fruit. So if there's a lack of good fruit in your life, reanalyze. Mm-hmm. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. 
it acts without partiality. Do all your friends look like you? <laughs> do you only serve a certain kind of people? Do you only want to do things for people that do things for you? Because wisdom acts without partiality. Uh, lastly, without selfish motivation. I just think, is this, is this about you building your kingdom like Herod wanted to build? Or is it about us building the kingdom of heaven? It's not about, it's not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. That's huge. Amen. We're talking about wisdom from heaven. It's, it's going to be a different kind of wisdom than you get, you know, from the world. This is, this is heavenly wisdom. So secondly, the question we want to ask is, how do we start walking in this wisdom? This sounds great. Do we just will, it, will ourselves to really hard? Like in the morning, I'm going to be really wise. I'm going to start being wise. How do we start walking in this wisdom? Proverbs 9 has a beautiful thing to say. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord. It's not, it's not terror. It's not fright. Hmm. Actually, that Hebrew word, yira, it means intense awe and reverence and recognition hmm. of God. And let me ask you this. Have you ever been gripped, suddenly gripped with the majesty of the Lord? Like you just were suddenly gripped with who he was that is the fear of the Lord. Recognition of his holiness, of his greatness, of his power, of his authority. So much so, so that you surrender to him and worship and reverence him. And that is what the fear of the Lord means. And this is not the only scripture in Proverbs that says it. It says, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the, the path to understanding. Uh, over 15 times mm-hmm. in Proverbs alone That's right. and elsewhere in scripture. So this is where we focus on reverencing and honoring our God. That is the beginning of wisdom. That's right. Our our friend Andy Stanley says this quote again. He says, wisdom begins with the recognition of who God is. It's recognizing who God is and then responding accordingly. Proper recognition results in reverence. So the beginning of wisdom basically is recognizing who God is and who we are not. He is God, and I am not. And it's good to do that every single day. Absolutely. Every single day. So Herod, he asked, what's my will? What's my will? What's my plan? While the wise men said, said, God, what are you doing? We're going to seek after the star. We're going to seek after your will and your plan. We're going to go worship your, your kingdom, the Messiah that's come. So in 2018, as a follower of Christ, let's ask ourselves... What is the wise thing to do? Let's say that. Ready? All together. Ready? What What is is the the wise wise thing thing to to do do in every area of your life, big or small? It will never, ever hurt you to stop (laughs) and ask this question before you make a decision. That seems really simple. It seems like, well, don't we always do that? No. Asking that question will head off a hundred bad decisions. And here's how you'll know. The wise wise decision is going to uh, proclaim the gospel. Mm. The wise decision is going to bring peace to those around you. The wise decision is going to be compassionate. It's going to serve others. It's not going to really be about you. It's going to be about the kingdom of God, right? James 3.17, that's what the wise decision is going to do. Awesome. So one more thought we want to leave you with today, because we're not only wrapping up this series, we're wrapping up the whole year, 
And if you think back to all of the things we've been talking about this year, all the, the different series that we've had, what we've really been talking about is this adventure that God wants to take you on. He wants to take me on. He wants to take us on as a church. It's an adventure that God wants to take us. And here's, if you could wrap up the theme of 2017, what he's been telling us as a church, it, it might be this. That is, the adventure that God has for each of you is not meant to end with what it does for you. It is not meant to end with what that adventure does for you. Whatever it is, whatever it is that he's been taking you on, and each of us kind of have different unique things that God's been showing us or taking us on. Whatever it is, it is meant to bring us out of ourselves. It is meant to bring us out of serving ourselves. That adventure should be bringing you into serving and blessing the world for God. Uh, Another great author and pastor uh, that we love, Tommy Barnett, he says this. He says in his book called Adventure Yourself, he says, despite popular opinion, the Christian life is the greatest adventure of all. The greatest adventure imaginable is embracing God's dream for how your life is meant to change the lives of others. That is the greatest adventure. It's not just achieving all of your goals. It is, it is realizing God's dream and embracing that dream for how your life is meant to change the life of others. Yeah. God's adventure for us leads us outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. outside of building our own kingdom, outside of what we want. In fact, he knows us better than he knows ourselves. He created you and I for a specific purpose, and he knows how to get us there if we surrender, if we surrender to him. And then what he does is he takes our stargazing and our dreaming, and he joins with us to build up his kingdom and his purpose and his ways and his plan and his glory, which is the most beautiful thing we can do. And, and it'll never happen mm-hmm. if we go, is it safe? Is it easy? Is it convenient? Is this, is this going to be quick? Will this be fun? No, no, no. God, is this what, what your ways, is this what you are leading me to do? Because I will follow in your wisdom. And when we do that, you will have the greatest 2018 of any year of your life you've ever had. 2018 with wisdom can be the year the kingdom comes and his will is done in your life. Amen. I, I, like the, I love that word you said, stargazing. 2018 can be the year that we go from being stargazers to Christ chasers. That's what I want to be. I don't want to, I'm, I'm tired of being a stargazer. I want to be a Christ chaser. That's what walking in that wisdom is all about. Hallelujah. Well, as our, our prayer partners are coming forward now, uh, we just want to pray with you and, and, and leave you with, with a blessing today. Hallelujah. Father God, we love you so much. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you guide us. You don't leave us to ourselves. You don't leave us to figure things out on our own, Lord God. But you want us to seek you, to chase after your ways, to walk in your footsteps. We want to become true disciples. That's what you've been teaching us this year, is how to be a disciple and how to make other disciples. Father God, help us to become that. Make it a reality in our lives in 2018, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that we are able to leave 2017 behind. The the victories, 
they're, they're done. We're going we're gonna to chase after new victories. The, the regrets and the bad things that happened in 2017, we're going to leave those behind too. We thank you, Father God. You have new things. You have a new thing in store for this church, not only for us as a body, but for every single individual soul in this church. I thank you for that, Lord God. We pray for every family in this place. We thank you that you will continue to reveal uh, our purpose and our special place, the, the role that we can play in what you want to do through this church and our community, Father. We love you so much. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources. 